Last Looks crew, welcome to our annual Last Looks Oscars special episodes where I interview all five teams nominated for their outstanding work. This is the 96th annual Academy Awards. The awards will be held March 10th at the Dolby Theatre in Hollywood. Every team is asked the same set of questions, but of course, they all give very different answers. Every year, the work is excellent, and this year is no different. I want to take a quick moment to thank all our Last Look sponsors. You truly help keep this little beast of a show going, and for that, I am forever grateful. If you would like to support the podcast, it's as easy as buying us a coffee. And when I say us, I mean me. <laughs> Don't be fooled in thinking there is a team of podcast elves helping. <laughs> you can find a link in the show notes of any of these episodes if you would like to show your love and support. My name is Jamie Lee, a film hairstylist living in Long Beach, and this is The Last Looks Podcast, a show where I catch up with hairstylists and makeup artists working in the film and TV industries around the world. And today, in these Oscars special episodes, I'm speaking with all five Oscar-nominated teams for their outstanding work. Let's do this. And now, a word from our sponsor. Mio Cosmetic Cases are the preferred safety touch-up system for pro makeup and hair artists. As makeup and hair professionals, we are constantly having to carry an endless amount of products in our kit, always in search of new ways to condense our kits and increase efficiency on the job. Mio Cosmetic Cases offer on-set touch-up kits that hold multiple types of makeup, helping you save valuable touch-up time on set, keeping your makeup safe and hygienic for talent, and significantly lightening your travel and set bags. They also offer depotting storage palettes in various sizes that assist to reduce weight and bulk in professional artist kits. A committed and globally verified environmentally conscious company, Mio Cosmetic Cases allows you to feel empowered that when using our products, you are committing to save the planet one small act at a time. Join the Mio movement today at MYO cosmeticcases.com Mio Cosmetic Cases meticulously designed with pros in mind And now our feature presentation Pitch of up Last looks Rolling And action Welcome to the Last Looks podcast team. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Thank you. Hello. Welcome. Congratulations on your Oscar nomination for your work on the film Poor Things. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and the work being considered for the film Poor Things is makeup and hairstyling for the overall film. So if you could each tell us your name and what your position on the film was. Nadia Stacey, I'm makeup, hair and prosthetics designer. Mark Coulier, a prosthetics designer. Josh Weston, a prosthetic supervisor. Fantastic. So I would love to know and always love to know when you first heard the news that you had been nominated, what was the first thought that came to mind? It's just all, it's just super exciting. It's always a bit surreal and it's always just super exciting, you know, to be recognized in, in the, in the, the thing that you love doing is, is just amazing. And it kind of, I just always feel, still feel like that girl in college that was like, 
do you think I could work in film? And then you have these moments and you're like, oh my gosh. So yeah, it's just, just amazing. And also for this film particularly, I'm, I'm really proud that, that we got there with this. That's awesome. Did you watch the announcement or how did you find out? Yeah, I watched it with my mum and then I had my friend on FaceTime watching. So yeah, it was really lovely and it was really nice to watch it with my mum. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I think um, we were busy in the workshop and I was wrapped up in lots of things, different projects going on. And uh, so I hadn't really, I'd sort of forgotten about it and then suddenly received a text during the afternoon. I mean, you know, knew it, knew it, knew the announcements were coming up and, uh, mm. but you know, when you're busy and we're just chatting, I think I was out at Long Cross Studios about to go into a meeting and then the phone pinged and then it was like, yay, <laughs> we've been nominated. <laughs> and like Nadia said, it's, it's, it's really cool to be, uh, you know, just to be recognized really for all the hard work. You know, we, we all work hard. We do long hours, you know, it's a, it's a pretty intense job. There's a lot of stress and pressure on it. So to actually get through it all, uh, and come out at the other end with a nomination, a recognition of the work that you've put in, uh, it's really, it's really great. Yeah, no, I was, uh, I was quite, quite amazed, really surprised as well. I didn't think, um, I was really happy that the, the makeup's being and all the work's being uh, recognised. But that uh, when when making, I thought it was a bit wacky, so I didn't think anyone would take much notice. Really, at first, but obviously, your West Lanthimos film. I knew it was going to be a, a great film, but it, yeah, it's just yeah, amazed. Yeah, really happy. Yeah, really excited to be uh, a part of it. So yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so let's get into some of the characters of what you guys did. So if you could talk us through three of the characters from the film, Makeup and Hair Wise, from research and development through to daily application. Nadia, do you want to start? Yeah, I'll start with Bella and then I can pass on Baxter to the to the guys. Emma Stone playing Bella. I think the main thing for me was that we're... She, Emma said in an interview actually that... She's basically playing a woman that was able to start from scratch, like with no kind of restraints to society or no, you know, rules or... And I just felt like that's something we haven't seen. It's not something that exists. So, um, and then I saw the kind of world that our production designers, Sharon and James, were creating and realised that it was very Yorgos in, in the fact that, like, it was going to be very out there and... We could kind of push it, really. Um, and so I wanted to, I wanted Bella to stand out in that world. Mm. Um, I wanted her to look kind of strange and otherworldly. And so taking her hair jet black against all these kind of colourful sets was definitely um, helped that against her pale skin as well. And dyeing her eyebrows, it, all of that just gave a really kind of solid, strong frame to begin with. And then it's scripted that her hair grows at an accelerated rate. So I wanted to map that out with the journeys that she goes on through the film so I change the hair lengths when she gets to Lisbon then at the ship then in Paris and I did all that with um, hair wefts because Yorgos sent me an email saying no wigs yeah. it just said no wigs um, <laughs> which is always helpful yeah yes boss um, <laughs> um, but actually it was it was you know the right thing to do mm. and uh, yeah used all these beautiful fine hair wefts that were made by Samuel Jones and yeah, and then just kind of kept changing that length to to sort of grow with her, if you like. And we got that application down pretty quickly, put kind of micro braids in her hair and then attached to the braids. And that it was pretty quick, actually. It was just sort of 
the fact that the makeup bus was covered in hair, like huge, <laughs> huge um, hair wefts everywhere. And then in the beginning, she doesn't have makeup because she's a baby and she's an experiment being looked after in this controlled circumstances. And then the only time that she really starts to play with makeup is when we get to the brothel and she meets Madame Swiney and the brothel girls. And that's her chance to sort of experiment. And it, it's always the same with Yorgos. He doesn't doesn't like makeup for the sake of makeup. It needs to be part of the storytelling process. So it's just, you know, the same with hair as well. It needs to be part of the story. So yeah, that was our that was our Bella. And so when you say, is it a no makeup makeup look or is it no makeup? It's no makeup. I mean, I literally kind of clear gels, combed her eyebrows up. I mean, nothing. He will check as well. Uh-huh. Like he'll put his finger on her face and check to see. And and wow. some days he's like, are you wearing makeup? And she's like, no, <laughs> definitely not. Um, so yeah, he, he will check. She's like, um, I just got my so beauty no. sleep last night. Leave me alone. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. So there's a lot of skincare involved and a lot of kind of eye masks and ice rollers and everything to kind of get, you know, make sure her skin looks good. But it's, it's a pretty easy job. She's pretty, you know, yeah. it's a good canvas to work from. So that's amazing. Do you want to start with Baxter and you and Josh? Yeah, I'll start. Yeah, uh, the, the, we've been presented with this um, this character Godwin Baxter, who's been he's been operated on, uh, experimented on by his surgeon father when he's a child, and he's disfigured and described as monstrous in, in the script. So you know, initially, you know, we find it Willem Dafoe's playing the character. So and then. You know, Yorgos is going to want something new and interesting. And that was our main thrust, really. It was, okay, what do we do to this guy? How's he been experimented on? What's what's his father done to him? How far has it all gone? How hideous is he? You know, it's a, it's a blank canvas at that point. And Yorgos is not the easiest person to dig into his mind. You know, normally I'll, I'll say, you know, what are your influences and what, are your, what do you hate and what do you not hate? But it was more, oh, just make some stuff and then we'll see how it goes. So we started, I think um, it's very, you know, we had no access to Willem initially. So I said to Josh, why don't we sculpt, Josh had done it before with a, a performer, just sculpt a portrait bust and then start doing some, you know, just playing around really. So it was, uh, meanwhile, Josh was sculpting that portrait bust of Willem so that we could get a head before we got a head cast. I got two of my favorite concept guys, one uh, Pietro Discola Mambro, who we worked with on Pinocchio, and then Paul Catlin, who I've worked with for uh, 25, 30 years. Mm. And we, we have a good working relationship with these guys. So they started drawing stuff and I started drawing stuff and Josh started sculpting stuff. And and then it was just a big mass of designs. You know, I think, I don't know how many designs we ended up, how many versions, uh, but it was probably 40 different versions at least. I'd love to see that um, process, that that line of where you started. <laughs> we'll, we'll get all these. Uh, we'll get all these pictures together, and we'll we'll probably have them on a, a slideshow at the at the symposium. You know, which is, you know will be really interesting because oh, cool. it just shows the development of it all, how crazy we did actually go, and then we had to sort of bring it back, and then ended up, you know, so a lot of it was trying to. Find, for me, there's a, you know, try to find a logic to it. What's his father done to him? Has he opened up his head and experimented on his brain or has he eye? And the more I spoke to uh, Yorgos about it, the more he was just not interested in the logic of it, you know. So it was, it was then 
trying to find something. He just wanted something bizarre, but still Willem Dafoe, but as crazy as we could make it whilst still remaining realistic and able to, you know, for you to have empathy with him and mm. for him to be accepted as a, a, a normal character. Well, not normal, but as a, as a character, you know, not this sort of, sh- he wasn't a shuffling, disfigured, somebody who hides in the shadows or puts a bag over his head or anything. You know, he's, he's a, a, a working uh, surgeon that lectures and therefore we had to keep him, we had to bear in mind that he was going to remain erudite and he was going to still remain a, a, a sympathetic character. I'll let Josh speak a little bit as well about that initial stages, you know, because Josh's input was, you know, was integral to the development of the look of this. It was a big combination of designs, drawings, and then what Josh brought to the table as well. Do you want to carry on, Josh? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, as Mark said, I, I just initially started sculpting a, a portrait so we could get ahead of the game a little bit. And then initially we were going down the route of probably, well, the wrong route, looking at injuries and things like that. And, um, different kind of different other things other things on the internet and stuff um, just to try and create different looks like goiters and other scars that Yorgos didn't really respond to so we were just trying to find out at the beginning what he kind of didn't like and and then it was just a case of just researching all different types of of, of scarring for for me really and and placement of scars uh, and trying to keep it really asymmetrical and fresh looking but keeping it loose as well because I, I ended up eventually when we did get the life cast of Willem ended up must sculpting another probably about eight or nine versions on that whilst all the other um, bits and pieces was going on in in, in the background uh, and then taking all that information and and chopping it up and mixing and matching from other different sculpts that were done previously and trying to create something fresh again and, and going from there really and, until we settled on something that we got a, a response to it's funny it's funny because we 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 got to a point josh didn't we where actually we we were really happy with one particular look that we had and we were like wow this is oh, yeah great. yeah and then we had to completely change it, <laughs> it was yeah like, and then it all green went around yeah and we had yeah, three people we- sculpting on it and and then all of a sudden it was like okay we, well we've done something on one side of the face and we had to change it to the other side of the face and pretty much yeah. start from scratch yeah, yeah. So, there, yeah, there was a lot of toing and froing with all the different sculpts until we settled on a, a look. But then, you know, we had to get things underway and start moulding and um, and get the process going, really. And then when we got to um, Budapest for our, our initial test, I think the response was was. Okay, but Yorga still wanted more volume from the from the chin, so uh, we we couldn't had no time to go back and re-sculpt anything. It's just a, it just takes too long. So hmm. Mark had the idea of putting some plumpers underneath, or, which we glued on first, and the, and then applied the chin on top of that, which then gave it more volume and it gave it a bit more of an organic shape, and uh, yeah, it just created another kind of extreme look yeah. and I think he was happy with that so as soon as we did that we kind of got light. And Josh when you when you say plumpers what do you mean? Plumpers they're, they're just um, you sculpt little shapes let's just say uh, for instance in this case it was on the chin so you'd sculpt a volume of mm. add a volume of material to the skin first you'd glue these shapes on to the to the face 
which essentially it's it's plumping out the existing piece that you then glue on top of that. If you under, if you understand, it's a bit yeah. of a technical thing, but you're basically gluing a, a prosthetic onto another one, okay, uh, just to give it more volume. Mm-hmm. Um, At this point, we've got so close to you know we had one test on Willem, and then we were filming a few days later. You know, maybe a week later, I think we had no time to change anything, and it had got to that point. You know, just because of availability, actor availability, and because of COVID and travel restrictions and everything else, we were really down to the wire. So there, there was no opportunity to go back and re-sculpt anything. And, you know, it, it does happen from time to time. Yeah, that, well, uh, you, can spend, you can spend yeah. four or five months doing designs, but still only end up with one test day because, you know, your actor's busy on other shows and, you know, there's a little yeah. window and you have to accommodate it really. So we were kind of forced into this position of making these little enhancements that go underneath the skin. We did a very similar thing on Elvis, you know, when Baz Luhrmann and CM, uh, his par- partner and production designer, wanted to, you know, enhance the amount of weight on his neck. And we just had sculpted a little plumper that went underneath. Again, it's a little pad, you know, a little pad to push out the prosthetic a bit. Yeah, it's awesome. Very innovative. Josh, did you want to talk about daily application and kind of looking after that makeup throughout the day? Yeah. Uh, well, it was applied with myself and uh, Robin Pritchard every day. I mean, the process would start uh, really early. It was usually about 3.30 in the chair. Willem's really relaxed, though, so he created a, like a really relaxed environment, really super easy to work in. And it took us about two hours, 45 minutes in all to get all the pieces on oh. five individual pieces and then he's off to to hair to carolyn cousins who who did his hair and, and then to costume and then he's back to us for final sort of checks before he's he's on set really and it was just it, it flowed really easily and then just the general touch-ups on set were were really good i mean he didn't sweat so it was uh, nice. really it was amazing you know you get a lot of actors and you get under those lights and mm-hmm. it's just so hot but for Willem, it didn't seem to it didn't seem to do much, which was fantastic for us. Perfect. So the daily kind of maintenance, and he would really look after it at lunchtime anyway. So we didn't, you know, it was just the usual things, really. No horror stories, nothing horrendous at all. And we shot for about twenty-one filming days with him, and we had a few test days on on top of that. Yeah, it it was. It was great. It was just real good fun. The, yeah, we had the thumbs, and it was on Robin's side more so was the uh, the more exaggerated one that you pretty much see most of on film. And my side was more of a blackened nail in the end, and we did use a piece, but um, Willem found it really hard to maintain that right-handed thumb piece, so we had to figure out uh, something else for him. But um, yeah, the thumbs in general and finger appliances are really hard to maintain Mm -hmm. so that was probably the hardest part of the makeup to actually look after looking after all the little frayed edges of a of a thumb appliance yeah there's something you have to be on top of all the time Uh, but his general face makeup yeah it it stayed exactly where it was and yeah you know yours doesn't do wigs uh, so there was no wig involved so that element was you know that was 
Willem's own hair. So all these things. And there was nothing on his neck either. And it's just certain things that made the life a little easier than other makeups in the past where you have to maintain neck and collar rub and things like that. But we didn't need that on this one and we gained enough of a of an interesting look just from the facial makeup itself yeah that was, that was the thing when we were designing that we looked at his neck and the movement on his neck and the way it wrinkled and everything else and it's uh it was like okay let's not cover that up because it's so you know it's such a great part of willem's face you know the the character that's in there don't cover up anything that we can use to our advantage you know yeah Exactly. Nadia, did you want to talk about just the other characters, just a general vibe and design and feel for them? Yeah, I think it's sort of the same thing I was saying about Bella, really, and and the same with Baxter. We all just felt like we needed to design stuff that was new and that this world was so strange that there's elements to them that is kind of something we haven't seen before. And so I'm like, one of my favourites and a good example of that is Madame Swiney in the brothel. It's, you know, I, I knew there was going to be one scene where we'd see her body and the rest of the time, Holly Waddington, our costume designer, dressed her. She said she wanted her to look like a human armchair, so she had so much fabric on her. <laughs> so I, I never thought we'd really see much of her and then I knew there was going to be this one scene and I just said to Yorgos, can I cover her in tattoos? And he was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and there was <laughs> so he gave me the go ahead and then there's just something about Catherine Hunters who plays Swiney's she's just this amazing physicality and this amazing actress and she and I was sort of kind of obsessed about who Madame Swiney was who is this this woman that's running this brothel at that time in Paris and you know what's her life been before and I, I just kind of like the idea that you could map it out on her body and all these tattoos so she's got like French sailors names on her arm and she got like tattoos that kind of work with their physicality and so I, I loved that and I just thought it's really strange that you just have it for this one moment and it's never you know referenced or anything and yeah we just tried to do that with most of the the characters to be honest it gives them something different like Hannah on the only wig I was allowed to use was Hannah on the ship when Bella says that this lady with strange hair mm. so the white one is the only wig we're, we're allowed to use and it's just it's weird in the, in the middle of this ship with all this background artist with Victorian hairstyles she's got this kind of odd asymmetric sort of 30s-ish like look which just doesn't sort of fit in anywhere but it kind of does because it's so strange mm. so I just yeah I wanted to kind of apply that element to to everyone really and the, the girls in the brothel I, I liked the idea of their makeup is all connected to the colours of the medical references back in Baxter. So it's all like purples from veins and pinks of skin and it's that kind of thing. So that's all the palette in there. So it just was making it strange, but also making it cohesive and connecting it to to everything in the world, making sure we were always connected to costume and to production design so that it felt odd, but you weren't constantly sort of thrown. You believed the world you were in. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. So each year, the nominated films showcase such a wonderful range of work. How do you guys feel your work differs from your fellow nominees? I, th I think from a, from the Baxter point of view, people are always always say when you do a makeup, especially a big prosthetic makeup, create a character. There's always somebody who goes, "Oh, that looks like." this or that looks like that or hmm. this reminds me of this makeup from this but you know I've, I've sort of we've thought about it and myself and Josh have talked about it and it's like we can't think of another film that has a makeup in it 
that's like Baxter. So it's really nice to do something that actually you think, oh, that is pretty, you know, pretty unusual and pretty new. And, you know, obviously Yorgos, the way he makes his films enables you to come up with something like that in this particular project anyway. So I think our work differs in that respect mainly. Yeah. And it's um, it's nice to know that it's possible, Mark. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. People are just like, everything's being recycled. And it's just like, no, you can do something new. <laughs> I promise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, is, it is the difficult thing, you know, but uh, how do you do a new zombie or how do you do a new Dracula? Mm. You know, it's, it's, you've got to, you've got to mm. kind of come up with something, you know, that's, that's always our, that's always the most exciting challenge though, really out of all of it. The, the work in all the other, with all the other nominees it's phenomenal this year you know it's just really great across the board really so ours is just a different project you know they all differ from each other but ours is particularly different just because Baxter is is this weird outlandish character you know mm-hmm. yeah well said yeah I, I would just kind of echo that really that, that I feel like the talent's really high this year I, you know across the board it's, it's really lovely being at the Bake Off and listening to everybody but I just think ours feels, yeah, different and sort of trying to find something new and trying to make characters that have got something kind of, yeah, slightly, slightly edgy and different about them. So I think that's, I think that's probably where we, where we differ. Yeah. 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 Like everyone said, it's, it's just a really different. I mean, you've got a the, the back of the character, which is completely wacky, and you know, it's going up against majority of like things that have won awards recently. It's been like your standard sort of old age makeup, you know, lovely work, but there's not been anything that looks a bit like Baxter uh, mm. that I've ever seen. So I think we've got uh, got that going for us. I think it's a great thing, and, and everything else, all the other period makes everything kind of works together, and with the costumes, everything all sits really well, and yeah, it's just different. There is strong competition, don't get me wrong, but um, yeah, all the other work is great, but uh, yeah, ours is just, um, yeah, a bit out there, uh, which I think <laughs> I think is a good thing. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> and what did you find to be your biggest challenge during filming? There were lots of sort of day-to-day challenges. We were still, we were just off the back of COVID. So we were still very much in, you know, in COVID masks. And that was strange because all these sets were built. So everything you see is is a built set. So you'd walk in a door of a studio and you'd be, say, in Paris. Mm. And these sets were so amazing that you sort of felt you were outside, but you weren't. <laughs> so there was like, you'd have no fresh air all day. So there's like like general sort of things like that. And it was difficult to get anything into the country, difficult to, to you know, materials and things like that for us. And then I suppose the biggest challenge is that it, it's sort of a compliment, but also the biggest challenge is that Yorgos gives you this crazy amount of um, creative freedom. But at the time, that's really difficult because you don't really have a start or a reference point. Mm. So you, you're not really working off of anything. And like Mark was saying about the design with Baxter, you don't get notes back where you can go, oh, I see. Right. That's what it is. He'll just tell you if he likes something or if he doesn't. And sometimes we'll just go, yeah, let's shoot on it. So you think, oh, we must be happy with it because he wants to shoot on it. But you just don't know so it's it's really difficult and when you're trying to create something new again there's no reference point you're not saying right this is victorian london 
I know what the hair shapes are. I know what the makeup is. I know what it, you're, you're trying to think outside the box. So I think that's the challenge. I always say these films make sense backwards when you've worked on them. You look back and go, oh, I see. Right. That's what we were doing. But at the time you're like, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so, I can imagine yeah. you're like, where do I start? And then what direction am I going? <laughs> yeah. Because you don't know if you said to him, I want to paint everyone's face blue. He might say, great, let's do it. <laughs> or he might say, you're crazy. You just don't know. <laughs> you can't tell. Awesome. You know, Nadia's kind of covered the Baxter thing and the just working that out. I think we've talked about that and how, yeah. how, that, how that was a challenge. But the other challenge was all the, all the other gags that we did on the show. For me, uh, we were doing other shows as well. So we were doing Asteroid <laughs> City for Wes Anderson and I was flying over to Spain. So I, I went to Budapest and myself and Josh applied the test makeup. So we got all that working and then I had to fly to Spain and do the big alien thing on Jeff Goldblum. And then I think two days after uh, we shot that, I flew back and did the pregnant belly on Emma Stone. And the day after that, we had the big operation sequence with the full chest makeup on on Baxter with blood tubing and tumors. And, you know, the day after that, we were lugging the huge bodies around, myself and Paul Jones, trying to wrangle them up a staircase into into a, the, 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 the sort of a medical room where, they were, where Baxter was giving his talk. And, yeah, it was just... It was difficult, you know. We every everything about it was difficult. The traveling back and forth, the information, making those bodies. You know, you we we had a somebody who did what would you call them? Somebody who did autopsies for in for for real, you know. And she was Yorgos's observer. You know, she we'd take the body on set, and it was great because she could say, you know, this is where we put the rib cage, and this is where we put the, you know, the the, the liver and the heart, and how much blood was dressed on the bodies, and all that was really factual. You know, we'd made these, uh, you know, pretty incredible bodies that that my crew had had made, slaved and toiled over, and it, it was nice to get a response from her though, where she said, actually, this looks pretty <laughs> you know when she's looking inside we did all the internal cavity and ribs rib cage and uh, yeah do you know what's crazy mark is i was just going to say do you know what's crazy is that we we all talk about baxter and bella and swiney and all these characters so much that every now and again i forget how many other huge prosthetics were in it you kind of go oh yeah like there yeah. was it was just constant masses of things, different bodies and operations and autopsies. Yeah, you don't and- you don't see them much in the film, but they're all there. You know, mm. the, the 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 male body yeah, has a crazy eyes. amount. Yeah, the amount of work that took to get those stabby eyes looking right, and uh, had Sebastian Lockman, <laughs> you know, making them out of skin <laughs> and injecting blood into them, so that when she stabs them, blood squirts out. And you know, Yorgos wanted it to be really pretty strong and powerful, you know, because she's just, you know, this woman in, with a child's brain. So therefore, she doesn't understand what she's doing, you know. And it's a pretty horrific moment in the film, you know, but. Just that one gag, that one body took a couple of months, probably three months to make that body. 
Um, and you know, all credit to all the all the guys on the crew. You know, Paul Jones and Adam Edwards and Kate Woodhead in the silicon department. You know, Sherolta Vega who was punching the eyebrow into the Baxter pieces every day, and the and the the hair around the earpiece. You know, there was like twenty people involved on it just on our crew, and then Nadia, all Nadia's team and all the hair team. You know, there's a lot of people involved. So a big challenge, you know, wrestling all that and getting it all ready for filming. You know, because this wasn't. A huge budget for us, you know? Yeah, yeah. Josh, biggest challenge. Maintaining the makeup, really, on a day-to-day basis. But um, that was it for us. We were quite fortunate, really, because we were out in a a different sort of set at the beginning. So we didn't really do any of the Portugal sort of stuff. So it was all all quite nice and the the weather wasn't too hot. So there's all these things that, uh, you know, after you've stuck the makeup on, your job is just to maintain the thing, really. So you've just got to be on board with that. And it was quite sort of stressful at times, but, um, and long, long hours. So yeah, just, just maintaining the makeup really. And then all the other, yeah, the little makeups in between the Alfie head scar, that was, uh, another makeup that we did. That was quite cool. And uh, I had a couple of test makeups on that, uh, before we shot that one, I was sculpted by Paul Jones and Sherolta again, doing the hair punching, amazing job with mm. Andrea doing the, the, the hair work and, and straight makeup and, uh, yeah, so all these other little things added in as well, uh, as well as looking after Willem and but with Robin with me it was it was easier. But yeah, that, for me that was it. I, I, that was all my involvement was with Baxter. So uh, yeah, nice. And um, Nadia, standout lessons learned. Did you get to the end of that and like, <laughs> I learned my lesson on this. I learned this. I learned how to do that. Yeah. At the end of it, you look back. What what did you learn? I mean, I learned, I learned lots, like, t- you know, technically I learned, I learned lots of things and it's, you know, it's always work, great working with these guys. They're, they're the best. So it's, you know, but I, do you know what? I don't know if I have learned because it's, you, you get to the end of a yoga film, you're like, oh, I just don't know if I could do that again. But then they're so good. <laughs> they're so good that you're like, oh, maybe I would. I, I imagine it's like childbirth. You sort of forget. <laughs> Like <laughs> afterwards, the 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 reward of it is like it's it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing what the, the mind does to help you keep going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it was it was a really it was gen, genuinely like really quite an emotional project for me. When we, I remember because it was so important for Emma to play her, and she was so invested in playing Bella that we all sort of fell in love with Bella. And I remember on the last day, I cut. Emily's own hair or took the hair where I can't remember but the the hair dropped to the floor and we cried it was like the end of Bella it was like it was really sad so yeah I don't I don't know if I learned anything in terms of like (laughs) doing the job in that sense but technically so so many things which is great and it as it as it should be awesome what about you Mark that you can survive on jet fumes (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly oh i i I think i learned something new every time about trying to maneuver around a really tricky production where you're let's say you're not you're designing something and you're not getting feedback as an employer as a as a as a person who's trying to work out how to get this thing made by a particular date you know you have to come up with all sorts of plans 
of how you're going to explain that to production. So you have to sort of, you know, day one, you know, prosthetics are needed. Let's say he's needed for five days in a row. You've got to plan on when those five days need to be made by. And if you're shooting in Budapest, somewhere in the UK, you need another week and blah, 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 blah. So you go backwards on a calendar and you say, okay, this is our cutoff date. And it might be two months before filming, but that's the day that you really have to start making pieces, you know, so that you can get them out in time. And I, I each film I presents a, a different problem like that. And, and this one was really particularly difficult because we weren't getting an approval, you know, we weren't getting a, and I was trying to impress to everyone that actually, if we don't get approval on the sculpture on this particular day, we are not going to hit the filming date. So mm. I had to explain it in a way that I said to production that, you know, it's like going into a car showroom and saying you want a really beautiful sports car, but you, you can't tell them what color you want it. You can't tell them how many wheels you want it to have, and you can't tell them what engine you want, and you can't tell them what you want the body to look like, but you want it by this date. And I said to them, you know, we, we work on feedback. You have to have feedback to progress a design. So, you know, that was one thing I, I learned on that one. It was just a little way of describing to them how difficult the the situation is if you're not getting feedback. How, how do you get that sports car that you want? Yeah, educating production. Good on you. I do think it, it, made, it did make the point. It was a bit of a crude way to do it, but it, it just made the point. And, and I think every film I've worked on, I've learned a different technique or a different phraseology to, uh, to get the, uh, to push the process along and try and solve the problem. You know, the problem being time, you know, the time's always the yeah. problem. You can carry on. I mean, I'm sure your goss as, as the visionary that he is would, he, he would want to redesign that process probably for the next two years. And you'd, you'd never get to a finished thing that he'd be a hundred percent happy with until he sees it. And then all sits into place. But you know, when he's designing it, he can have it as much as he wants. And it's down to us to say, no, 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 you can't have everything. You've got to say, we've got to start making it on this date and we've got to do all the repeats. So we have to work to this date. You know, that was my standout lesson that I learned on that one. You know, how to, how to, you know, get that process moving along. Yeah. I like it. Well, fortunately, I don't have to deal with any of that. So that's-, <laughs> that's your lesson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Remind me not to deal with that. That was your lesson. <laughs> Can we swap, Josh? <laughs> uh, sculpturally, sculpturally, I always try and improve each sculpture each time I uh, do a, a different project or do a different sculpt. So everything has to be improved on. So I'm trying to learn each time, trying to get better in, in that in, in, in that sense. And then... Yeah, with application, you you know you glue something on, and then you just go away at the end of it. And you think, oh, if I'd have done it a different way, and you try and figure out different ways and techniques and to get quicker and things like that, and you can turn a you know a three hour makeup into a, a an hour and a half, and you know so you've learned how to do things more efficiently. And I like doing things like that, and. Um, chatting with Robin and figuring out different ways to, to secure the piece on and, and things like that, really. But, um, yeah, just sculpturally, generally, I always try and uh, improve on each thing each time. 
So, yeah, I, I learn from each sculpt. <laughs> I love it. Um, and you guys have mentioned so many names already, but as we know, it takes a team. Did yeah. you guys want to take a moment to give a shout out to those that helped you on the project? Yeah, I'd love to mention some people in my team. If Carolyn Cousins was our supervisor who just couldn't have done it without um, this amazing all-rounder um, and looked after Mark Ruffalo. Ellen DeAndre Brown was our key hair and makeup and she looked after... Alfie and Madam Swiney and Max. Grace and Galway came out. I think it was about her third job, maybe. So she really, it was a baptism of fire for her. And she was um, looked after lots of characters, but she actually did that wig on the uh, on the ship for Hannah, which took so many different versions of that as well to get to what Yorgos liked. And then Claire Campbell, uh, another her makeup artist and all our Hungarian crew were just so fantastic. Judy, Judith and Hilde, amazing and so supportive. So yeah, just like you said, it's a team of people and that specifically those guys for me, I couldn't have done it without them. Well, Robin Pritchard for me, who stuck mm-hmm. the makeup on with me and um, obviously Mark and uh, Nadia and everyone's team and yeah, everyone at Coulier Creatures, there's loads of uh, of people behind the scenes at uh, uh, Coulier Creatures that made all these um, different makeups happen and the bodies. There's just, yeah, must be over 25. I'm sure Mark will work. Yeah, I'll jump in there with, uh, yeah. yeah, Paul Jones was one of the main guys who was helping with all the gags and the rigs and Adam Edwards, who's just, you know, he's a bit of a technical genius. Adam, he came up with all the, when when Baxter takes the brain out of Emma Stone's head, mm. Adam came up with this really fantastic way of 3D printing and doing the inside of the skull. So you'd, hardly anyone will notice it, but when he takes the brain out of her head, there is an inside of skull sculpted digitally on, and, and we 3D printed that and placed it into a head and that was digitally mapped onto uh, Emma Stone. So Adam Edwards, uh, you know, uh, he's, a, he's a bit of a genius and uh, comes up with all sorts of fa- fabulous gags. And Stephen Murphy, uh, who's one of my regular team members and uh, helped with makeups and bodies and uh, various things and also plays the guy that Baxter cuts into. <laughs> Stephen ah. was actually, we, we glued a makeup <laughs> on Stephen and he was all rigged up with blood tubes and everything else. And uh, and Willem Dafoe actually cut him open for real we did lots of you know experiments with how you can scalpel how you can cut onto someone you have these cloths that you can't actually slice through so we put a a cloth underneath uh, the prosthetic and then willem could actually cut straight into the silicon and uh, slice it up and have blood coming out you know david pecorini chris campbell alex harper uh, sculptors on the bodies and Alex making all the entrails and innards and all that stuff that looked totally real. In fact, there was a funny moment on set when I, I didn't see Yorgos, but I was clearing up at the end of the day and we had some fake livers and some real livers and we had some fake intestines and real ones, uh, uh, animal awful. I was actually prodding our one and the, the prodding the, the the real liver and our liver to see which one was, was fake. And Yorgos just sniggered from the side of the set he just chuckled and said ha oh, it must be good if you can't <laughs> you can't tell which <laughs> that was quite a funny moment uh, but it, i think it was our only compliment on the entire show i think <laughs> <laughs> 
You got well, one. So our yeah. mold making department, uh, Tom Packwood and Dylan Alves and Francesca uh, Rivera, uh, Silicon Department, Kate Woodhead, Dave Felstead, Helen Rowe, uh, and then in the coordinating, Joe Keeble Smith, Adam Griffiths, our trainee who just works, you know, tirelessly all the time in the background, running molds and biscuit firms and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, there's a few others, hair punchers. Charlotte Vague, who, who's really fabulous hair puncher, did all, all Willem's eyebrows. And, you know, that's a really crucial part of the makeup because you don't want people going, oh, that eyebrow looks different to the other one. I was just going to say for me as well, like, for, no, just, just just to say about you guys as well, like for, to go to Mark with a project like this with, that is so f- huge with prosthetics mm. and... And like they were saying, like to get for them to get that design through for bikes, it was so difficult. But then when it's through and when things are on set, there's never a moment like the quality of the work is so high from like the prosthetic side is just there's never a moment where you're going, oh, I wonder if like it just is so good. So you don't have to think about it so I, I was super lucky to have and again like Josh mentioned Robin like those guys on a day-to-day just they're just amazing to work with as well so I love it yeah and those those just to, those prosthetics I can't stress how important it is that the silicon runners you know we we have you know Kate Woodhead and and uh, Helen Rowe they just make the most beautiful pieces you know and when you're just it's so crucial that when you're sticking a piece on, you can dissolve that, the, the barrier super easy and the blend and the paintwork and everything. So Josh and Robin, you know, that's super important. The painting, it's all important. It's all crucial that if you don't have the right mold making techniques, the edges aren't as good, then you have trouble sticking it on, you know, you have edges showing. And it's, it's, so it's a combination of all that, the silicon running, the designing the where the edges go so that you don't see them. And, you know, the technique of applying it the glues that we use, all all that stuff is all crucial. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, guys, so a massive congratulations again. Enjoy the ride and thanks for joining me. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Thanks, guys. <laughs>